right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Most importantly, don't forget to go and follow at Locked On Gators. You'll never miss an episode of our show. With that being said, Demetrius... How are you feeling post-Thanksgiving? I know we were talking so much about our plates the other day and what was to come. How how'd everything go for you? I'm feeling incredible, Zach. I ate a couple plates yesterday. Actually, one and a half. I'm, I'm actually uh, a little bit ashamed to admit I was full by the time I was going for that second plate. You know, I, I tried. I tried to put it down. I just really couldn't do it. I hope you guys had a little bit more success. I hope you had a few plates and a nap. I did get in the nap. So I feel proud of that, but you know I'm a little disappointed in my uh, Thanksgiving eating habits. Maybe today, you know, leftovers are usually prime. So That's maybe true. today I'll, I'll eat some I'll eat some leftovers and and get that all figured out. But yeah, it's been uh it's, it was a great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys all had a good Thanksgiving as well. And just looking forward to Gators coverage today, and then a potential most likely game tomorrow we'll still have to figure that out a little bit but um it should be a good weekend for everybody absolutely we await news from kentucky as we talked about the other day their covid case is going up we should know if they're able to play sometime after we're done recording this we're recording this on friday morning and they had what 18 players or so or 18 individuals as of this week's round of testing and they were getting really close to the line so it's something well, that will it's something that we'll be monitoring well it's uh 18 players that either have you know quarantine tested positive or injury so or injury, they're just yes. really at the line of like that 53 man roster and then we don't know how it is when they break it down into position groups but yeah. i guess we'll find out Yes, we'll find out sooner rather than later, too, as this game is on the doorstep. But first, we're going to be talking about Chief Orders. I was wrong in predicting he would decide to go to Stanford. Now, I mean, he didn't tell me one way or another. We just talked uh, before his commitment just about where things were. He was telling me that even though you know he got an offer from his dream school and Dan Mullen was... Totally cool with the way he was handling the process. Uh, he's been very close with Dan Mullen since dating back to eighth grade when Mullen was at Mississippi State. So maybe I shouldn't have been too much on the dream school stuff because Chief has decided to remain a member of Florida's 2021 recruiting class. So, Demetrius, what was your reaction to that news? And how do you think that impacts Florida's last stretch of recruiting here? Is the early signing periods three weeks, less than four weeks away? Wow, it's getting it's getting close, huh? But yeah. uh, when I when I saw Chief was gonna commit or remain committed to the Florida Gators, I kind of I kind of figured that it was gonna be around a 50-50 shot. I will say I was leaning a little bit in your direction too, Zach, where he was gonna go to Stanford. I just didn't think that that was an opportunity you can necessarily pass up on. But also, I mean, the Gators in Florida they have a wonderful health department. They they have one of the best facilities in the nation. Uh, obviously the connection with Dan Mullen, it, it, it still makes sense for him to want to go to a school like Florida, one of the top schools in the nation, at least publicly. It, it, it was a great, it's a great get for Florida. They have a, now another athletic linebacker coming on board. Now, whether he plays a different position is still up in the air. I'm sure you'll talk about that in a little bit, Zach, but 
I, I do think that their recruiting this cycle has been pretty top notch. They've been able to land the guys that they really want to land. They've been able to land a couple guys, even like Chief, who they didn't necessarily need. And I'm not to say that to undersell what he would bring to the table as an athlete and as a linebacker in general, but this is a class that's pretty much loaded. Now they're going to have another guy coming in, and they could potentially still get a guy like Sori who plays more of that off-ball linebacker role. And I, I don't necessarily think that signing borders or taking borders is going to take them out of consideration for Sori. I think that he's very much still a lock-in, or not a lock-in, but like a, a they're still going to go after him. Yeah, he, he's still a guy that you really want and a guy that I don't think that he's necessarily looking at Chief like, oh, well, now I can't go there because of him. So I think that it's still a good day for their recruitment. I don't necessarily think that it impacts them too much. And then we talked about it before, but this year's recruiting class is going to be a little bit different. They're going to have – they might be able to bring in a few extra players because of how weird this COVID season has gone. Uh, you don't know who's going to come back, who's staying. You don't know who's counting against the scholarship limit. It's just going to be interesting to find out. So – I do think that this was a great get for them, and I, I don't necessarily think it impacts their recruiting too much, if only, or if, if anything, it, it just makes them look a little bit better. And this is certainly a guy, like you said, that they wanted. Dan Mullen, like I said earlier, he's had that relationship with him. He was recruited by Christian Robinson, the linebacker's coach. He was recruited by Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator. So obviously they've been pushing for him for some time, and they were some, he was someone that they wanted to get into the class. Uh, and... Like you said, with the educational purposes as well, he wants to be a pediatrician. And while we gave Stanford a lot of credit for their academics, that's true. Coming to UF Health is not a bad alternative to Stanford. Uh, so more power to Chief in terms of the ad- academic side. And now on to the athletic side. You're, you're right. He is an athlete. He does do a lot of different stuff for the high schools he's played at. Uh, it, the production isn't stellar. Over the past two years, he does have 106 tackles, so you can tell that he can you know, go and at least create something in space, but there's not a ton of sacks. Uh, there's not a ton of tackles for loss. He also he has added forced fumbles, interceptions, and passes defense, so he is making impacts across the defense. This year, I think he's got five receptions and a score offensively as well, so he's doing a lot of different stuff, and you can tell he's athletic, but he's he says he's 6'5", 242, uh, I've seen him listed as little as 6'3", 230. And, you know, I'm not sure how well he'll play as an off-ball linebacker because I think he's athletic, but I don't know if his size pairs with what we've seen in the production would suggest that he'll be dependable as a guy that's dropping in coverage. So you look at him as someone that's an ideal fit uh physically at least, to try and develop into a buck rusher, teach him the fundamentals of rushing the passer. He, he ends up being a true project within your class, especially when you've got a Jeremiah Williams who fits the position very well at buck. But if you walk out of here with a great high floor buck in Jeremiah Williams that you know also has room to grow and a total project in Chief Borders that has the tools to go and be a dynamic pass rusher, you can never have enough of those type of guys. Absolutely not. You you go into this defense with a with the project at, at least in terms of what you're talking about, where you have Jeremiah Scooby Williams out there. He's going to be able to rush the passer right away. He's going to be able to play Buck right away. So you can afford to have a guy like Chief Borders 
maybe come in and sit. And I do think that you're right. You, you know, the, that off-ball linebacker rule, we've seen the types of linebackers the Gators bring in. These guys are running out at 215 soaking wet. I mean, it, it, it doesn't necessarily seem to be a fit quite as well as it would be to, for him to develop a little bit more, maybe even bulk up a little bit more than where he's at. If he's at 242 or, or you know, 240 right now, maybe you can get him up to like 250, 255 in, you know, Nick Savage's amazing strength and conditioning program that we've seen. We've seen him develop guys that you wouldn't expect to develop into the players that they are in terms of physicality. So I do think that this is going to be a project player for the Gators, but he's going to be a guy who you can depend on later down the line. I don't necessarily think that he's a project where he's going to be a boom or bust. He's more going to be, he's going to be at this level or he's going to be a lot higher. I feel as though he's still going to be a good player, uh, which is why they want to take him. But, you know, his potential is just through the roof because of his athleticism. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. And if he doesn't do buck, but they do decide to bulk him up, he's got the size to play defensive line. And again, yeah. you can never have enough depth with something like that. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see. And he's a nice kid. So I definitely am looking forward to covering him as he makes his way to Florida. Speaking of covering Florida, there is a game tomorrow, potentially, as long as it's on time. But with that, we do want to go over Florida's defense, uh, getting back onto the field. Demetrius, he, he wrote today, actually, about how the defensive issues might be a little bit overblown when you look at the statistics. And this is certainly a game where they can come out and prove that that is true. When we come back from these messages, we'll go a little bit more in detail. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste, it makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Make sure to stick with us here on the Locked On Gators podcast next week. As soon as it starts, bright and early Monday morning, you will be getting a recap from us as to everything that happened in Florida, Kentucky. You won't want to miss it. But right now, we are still looking forward to that game. This offense has really just not been that good this year. Terry Wilson coming off of his injury last year doesn't look as dynamic as he has in the past. Uh, And I mean, Florida knows a good thing or two about that because he's been able to come in and do some damage uh, before. But that being said, Demetrius, you had an eventful Thanksgiving because you you ate your food early, you took your nap, and then you sent me a text at 2 in the morning saying that you had a high-effort article in while I was trying to sleep off a couple of beers in my air fryer turkey. Uh, You understand that 
there is plenty of room to criticize this defense. We do it on here, like plenty, it, it, rightfully, and you're someone that leads the charge with me on that. But you were able to observe that really, especially since Kyrie Campbell's gotten back, this has been a different unit. The explosive plays are bad, but otherwise, things are definitely looking up. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Look, I, I, I've led the charge. I've been the probably one of the the number one people on the beat or the media, in my opinion, who has criticized this defense heavily. When I first got onto the onto the Gators beat, I expected high level defensive play. That's what I've always known the Gators to be. I mean, that's what they were definitely under Will Muschamp a few years ago. That's what they've been, even with Jim McElwain for a little bit. Like they've been they had it. They had it when Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer were here. They had it with Dan Mullen. It's been a great defense for as long as I can remember. Let's put it that way. So when I come in and I see week one, they're getting just absolutely just destroyed on defense in, in within the secondary against Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Now I know Lane Kiffin is an elite head coach, an elite play caller. You know he's probably one of the best head coaches in the nation. Uh, I, I say that a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek because I am a former. FAU owl and you know Lane Kiffin brought you know happiness for a few years at least after I left but uh, it, it 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 was interesting to see how how poorly that they play now given that I do think that as you know an objective observer and as a person who just enjoys the game of football I do have to give credit where it's due I'm not going to just sit there and blindly bash and now I understand that fans are very critical of Todd Grantham and they do have pretty good merits on why they should be because very very much so they should be a lot better than they are or have been in the past but i do think that it's 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 important for you to take the stats now and the just you can use the eye test as well and just see this defense is playing a lot better than they have been so over the first three weeks of the season the gators allowed an average of 33 points per game they allowed 331 yards per game passing 164 yards per game on the on the ground those are just, you know, bad statistics. I, I believe they ranked pretty much ninth, or they do rank ninth in, in overall defense, ninth in passing yards, seventh in rushing yards given up. But that is with the full body of work. That's with the first three games included. If you take out those first three games, you just go over the last four with Kyrie Campbell coming back. They've allowed just 24.25 points per game. They've allowed 222.25 passing yards per game and 125 rushing yards per game. Now, a couple of those are also inflated. You have the Georgia game, and then you have another game where they gave up just an insane amount of rushing yards. So that's a little bit inflated in that regard. But you still have to count it because those were games and probably point points to uh, some of the criticisms that are valid within this Gators defense. But if you stack those statistics up to the entire SEC, they would rank fourth second and fifth in those three categories respectively points per game passing yards per game and rushing yards per games allowed now i'm not trying to gaslight you guys and say this is going this is an amazing defense you guys don't know what you're talking about at all i still think that this defense needs a lot of help they've given up far too many explosive plays i i wrote down in the chart i if you guys want to go you can go to allgators.com and you can read this entire story i have everything laid out pretty cleanly i think and just it breaks it down and, and you can see how many big plays they've allowed through the air on the ground, how many yards they've allowed um, dating back to week one, they allowed eight big play passing yard 
or passing plays, which is plays of 15 yards or more, and then three, five, six, three, four, and then nine over the last you know six games of the season. So it it, it it's not as if they've performed amazingly on defense. Now I, I just want to make that clear: they haven't been amazing on defense, but they have improved. And I think that you can just look at these stats and you can look at the game tape. You know they've gotten so many sacks they lead the sec in sacks they lead the sec in tackles for loss per game i do think that this defense is not getting as much credit as they deserve um and there's just a lot that goes into it now this is certainly the week that they can prove you right uh that they can be a sound defense because we trashed vanderbilt last week before they came in and did some good things i mean head-scratching things that still shouldn't be issues, and that's where the criticism is fair that Vanderbilt was able mm-hmm. to come in and do. But this is another level. <laughs> UK <laughs> UK is one of three teams to have played eight games this year in the SEC, and they have not broken 1,000 yards passing Oof. as a team. They're averaging 122.6 passing yards per game. Now, they are running the ball uh, – pretty well when you look at that they are ranking number four in the sec in rushing yards per game with 178 but we have seen florida take steps forward as a rushing defense with Kyrie campbell in the fold so kentucky might get some that will probably be where all of the explosive plays come from in this game because you can't rely on their passing game at this point uh so demetrius with that being said though We've seen mobile quarterbacks give Todd Grantham some frustrations in the past. And Kentucky has two. I mean, they've got not just Terry Wilson, but they've got Joey Gatewood, who, I mean, has not come in and done much as a highly anticipated transfer from Auburn. But regardless, do you see that factor being something that could end up maybe making this Florida defense look a little worse or considering how one-dimensional this squad is, comparatively speaking, how much better Florida's defense has been when it's all said and done. Do you think that balances that out, or how do you forecast it? Well, this is going to be the game where you have to see. This is actually probably the test game for the Florida defense because if you look at it, uh, you're talking about a guy like Christopher Rodriguez Jr. who already has 562 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. These are guys that can run the football, and they know that. You know, Javon Dexter came in and – we asked him a few questions his first time at, at the podium this year as a freshman, and he talked about how they're going to have to play the run. And, and Todd Grantham's talked about that, and this is going to be the game where we see exactly how good the Gators' run defense is. Now, their run defense has performed much better than their pass defense, and especially in recent weeks. So I do expect them to, to, to play well in this contest, especially if you have a one-dimensional team like Kentucky. You can pretty much just sell out against the run, and now – if they don't perform well against this team and we see the explosive plays over and over again, that's just going to be another mark on their resume about they can't stop these explosive plays. And then that's going to come to bite them against a team like Alabama. And, you know, I, I wrote in the article, I didn't write it. I, I might not have written it in the article, but there's one thing that I th- do think that uh, is kind of stacked against the Florida defense. And, and especially in terms of the fan criticism lately, it's everybody's kind of looking at Alabama. They're 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 looking at the game, so they're they're watching the Florida Gators play Vanderbilt, but they're really looking. This is the Gators playing Alabama, and if they're playing Alabama and they give up the, these kind of plays against Vanderbilt, then it's not going to be a good time. 
Now, I do think that's fair in some regard, but you have to also just take it on a game-by-game basis. You have to just look at it you know, through a, a, a microscope and see exactly what's going on, why they're giving up these big plays. So it's going to be interesting. Against a team that only has six passing touchdowns, which Kyle Trask has thrown six passing touchdowns twice now this season, uh, you kind of figure this should be a game where the defense doesn't allow many points, and we'll talk about that in the prediction segment. But it, it, it it's definitely a true test for their run defense. We'll see how big of an impact Kyrie Campbell can have Zach Carter Ventro Miller, just all these guys we're just going to have to make sure uh, to keep an eye on because if they allow the rushing yardage that Kentucky is norm- like necessarily putting up every week, then uh, maybe it's a little bit time to take a step back and reevaluate some things. For certain. And we've got our predictions for this game right after this quick break. All right, Demetrius, going to you first. Uh, you s- sent me this prediction uh, last night as we were both divulging. So I don't know if it's changed for you now, but how do you see this game going down? Yeah, this game hasn't changed for me from, you know, when I wrote it last night or yesterday evening to to now. I I do think that the Gators with Kyle Pitts coming back, with how on fire Kyle Trask has been, with just in terms of the offensive explosion. I will say, though, that this is probably the barometer game for the Gators passing deep or passing offense because Kentucky's coming in as the number one passing defense in the nation. Now, it might be because also they give up so many yards on the ground. There's a bunch of factors that go into this. Maybe their offense is just that bad that teams don't even have to pass too often. But this is the game where you would kind of expect the Gators to light it up. They pretty much have a chance to to score plenty of points on the game. Kyle Trask is able to come in with Kyle Pitts now back, and you just have such a – an amazing assortment of weapons that I can't imagine that they can't do something against this past defense, even if they are one of the best uh, in the nation or at least the best in the SEC. So for me, I have them winning. I have the Gators winning 48 to 21. Now that 21 point might, that 21 points total might scare you a little bit and kind of go back to the last segment that we talked about how uh, the defense is playing a lot better or at least better than what, the overwhelming criticism has been against Todd Grantham and his defense, but it's more of the fact that I do think that the Gators kind of start off a little slow. So they, they, they don't necessarily shut teams down instantly. It does take them a little bit to catch up, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, obviously it doesn't seem to be a good thing. So I do think in the first half, you'll see Kentucky score maybe seven to 10 points or seven to 14 points. And then, Eventually, maybe in the second half, they'll only score seven. That's kind of the trend that we've been seeing last week. We saw Vanderbilt score ten in the first half, and then in the last uh, in the last half, the, the second half, they only scored seven. So I do think that this is going to be an interesting matchup. But ultimately, Florida is definitely going to take home the victory and you know continue on their winning streak. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I've got Florida winning this one, forty-one to seventeen, and you know I'd like to see them put up more than 41 points a week after putting up only 38 against Vanderbilt. At the same time, I think Kyle Trask hits his four touchdowns. I think they get one rushing. They might still have a couple of mistakes against what is such a good passing defense, the number one defense passing defense in the SEC. They'll take the two field goals and say post-game that they don't want field goals, but they may not cover the spread in this instance. They're still up by three scores when it's all said and done. They would be able to afford pulling Trask at that point to 
make sure he doesn't get hurt. We remember last year, uh, someone got hurt in this game, and then someone almost got hurt again by the looks of it via yeah. the hands of Cash Daniels, Florida fans' favorites. Uh, with that, I mean, there's not another Cash. Cash Daniels is gone, and I'm not trying to suggest someone will be violent. But regardless, I've said it for the past couple weeks as well. You want to get Trask's scores. You want to get it done early. You want to be aggressive and score as many points as you can first quarter like they've been able to do almost all year because you just don't want to take that injury risk. You do have to look towards the Bama, uh, through the Bama lens. Uh, You don't want to have any possibility of Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts not playing in that game as it gets closer and closer. So you come out, you be aggressive, you sit on a lead second half, maybe put up a a few field goals, and ultimately holding a really good rushing attack to – two scores, assuming one of the touchdowns probably comes later in the game, and you're feeling fine. You just That's... you you, you don't you won't want to see the explosive rushing plays because you don't want to see explosive rushing plays at all, but Florida's at least doing something right if they can prevent no if there are no explosive passing plays because this offense should not be able to pull any off. And you feel better about it at that point because Vanderbilt shouldn't have been able to do it and they did. So at least you have a little bit of momentum. Uh, with that being said, there's just there are a lot of different things you can pull from this game to make you feel better about Florida moving forward as long as it goes that way. And with that being said, they should handily win this one. Yeah, they they really should. And, and the thing is, you're right. It, it would be an unmitigated disaster if Kyle Trask uh, gets injured. Obviously, that would be coming full circle, but that's not a full circle you necessarily want to have, especially when you think about Alabama in a few weeks or you know, not even just Alabama, just in the, the program's – uh, trajectory in general. I mean, you, Emory Jones, I know that the Florida Gators staff has a lot of confidence in him, but uh, you can't really sugarcoat it. He wouldn't be as good as Kyle Trask is right now. He hasn't played much this season. He's not ready uh, necessarily to come in and, and light it up, so to speak. Uh, it's just not how the offense is built right now, not how they're clicking. It just would be a disaster if Kyle Trask gets hurt. So you're right. You know, if, if you go in there, Kyle Trask comes out injury-free. Who really cares what the final score is at the end of the day? Just get it done and get it out of there. I think that uh, their most game planning, their most preparingness, or preparedness, their most everything is going to come against Alabama. And we keep pointing towards that game. Like I said, everybody's looking towards Alabama. That's also the reason why the defense is getting such criticism. It is what it is at this point. So they're just going to have to go out and and play their game and, and keep winning games. We're excited to see if they can pull that off this weekend uh, before everyone's favorite, Tennessee, next week. I mentioned earlier we'll be back with a fresh episode early Monday morning uh, breaking down this game, and I'm sure everyone will be excited to go talk about what is the Tennessee football program throughout next week. Tennessee's supposed to be one of the best teams in the nation this year, right, Zach? Must be a year that ends in a number. Yeah, I feel like I hear that every single season. Yeah, they've been amazing at recruiting this year. It's like, all right, well, let's go look. And then you're like, oh, one in whatever, or two and yeah, so it's I guess we'll see. very bad. Tennessee is always Tennessee is always fun. Anyway, that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. If you don't already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Locked On Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.